0: This particular Saturday uh, playing tennis, it was an incredibly important game for me. It was an incredibly important set of tennis for me to win. I had just turned 14 years of age and if I won this set on this Saturday morning, I was up into the top tennis team of the school and could play down at Memorial Drive on lawn courts at the centre of tennis in South Australia. So this was an incredibly important game to win. Win it, I'm in the team, lose it, that's it for a while. And before I knew it, I was five love down. Things were not looking all that good. And need to understand that my father was pretty well invariably at all my tennis games, footy, basketball, wherever it could be. He still followed me with my basketball after I was married and sat on the sidelines talking to all the fatherless blokes that sat alongside me. I'd go to sub and back into the game and they're there busy talking to Dad. He was a great encourager just by being there. And this particular day he said something to me I don't think he ever did after and never had before. He said, you look so tense out there. Just relax Throw caution to the wind and play your usual attacking game. You can do it. He knew I so desperately wanted to get into that team and I had to win this match. And as I walked down to the end to serve for what could have been the last game in that set, I kept thinking of my dad's words, throw caution to the wind. And suddenly I'd realised that I'd been playing not to lose. I did not want to lose that game. And it was working really well for me. Five love down. And I realised that the way to play was to play how I knew and how Dad knew I could play. And so I just turned to my all out attack game. And before you knew it, the tension was gone. And balls that had been just going outside the lines because I was trying to guide them there instead of really giving them a whack and put them inside the court began falling inside, and it was not long as I kept going on and as Dad kept glancing at me with, you can do it, before I'd won that game 6-5 just in cruise mode. And so my dream was realised. It's one of my earliest memories of the power of encouragement. You can do it. You can do it. Roland Croucher was pastor of Blackburn uh, Church in the uh, eastern, very fast expanding eastern suburbs of Melbourne in the 70s and 80s. Wonderful pastor, great guy. He actually set up a ministry when he retired as pastor to pastors. 10,000 broken down pastors in Australia that he's ministering to, still ministering. And... One of his catch cries about the church is he says this, A church of encouragers is a church that's alive. A church of encouragers is a church that's alive. Now that church today is known as Crossways. Four and a half thousand plus people. We've got friends who go there. We've been there when we visited them there in Melbourne. And I just said this to them one day. And they said, do you know what, this is still a place where you get encouragement. So I want to look at this thing called encouragement this morning. And that's what we read a little earlier. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us encourage one another. Now we all know that Life can wear us down. We have things happen to us that, that wear us down, that cause us to struggle, and life becomes hard. To encourage someone is to get alongside, and that's what the word literally means, get alongside, is to get alongside someone and put courage into their hearts. It's to get alongside someone who's, who, who may be struggling with illness and bring comfort. It's another word for strength. It's to put strength into people's lives, into their minds and hearts by being alongside them. It's walking in their shoes and helping them move towards Jesus. That's one of the nuances of this word. There's another one. It's, um, you know, you've got people who serve around here doing a whole lot of different tasks. It's actually to notice that and then go, a boy." Add a girl, appreciate what you're doing. You can say that to the older ones too. They'll, they'll, I'll, I'll take it anyway. It's, it's to value them and appreciate them. How many enjoyed last Sunday here? I thought it was a great, great day. Now, behind the scenes, leading up to that, were people doing a fair amount of work. On the day, were people in the kitchen, out there? Your worship team, your worship leaders, and that. Did you give any of them an at a boy, add a girl? That's what encouragement is. It's saying really appreciate what you've done. Love you in Jesus for doing the way you served us last Sunday. So I'm saying that now to all those who did that last week. I thought it was a magnificent day. Many of you said afterwards it's probably the best thing we've done with Mosaic Church. Great. But there's another little one too. Sometimes you meet someone who's having a growth spurt in their journey with Jesus and they get, whoa, I don't know whether I can keep this going. It's getting up alongside them and going, you can do it. Come on, I'm standing here with you. You can grow in Jesus. You can do this thing for Jesus. Good on you, Tim. He's had a couple of encouragers this week. who said, you can do it this morning. It's that... You can do this. You can keep journeying with Jesus. You can keep moving forward with Jesus. You can try this new thing with Jesus. If I can summarize this, this encouragement is the kind of expression that helps someone to be a better follower of Jesus, even when life is rough. It's like a vitamin pill to the spirit. It's like a vitamin pill to the spirit. It's been said that people break down because so few good things happen to them. Not because of all the bad things that happen. We can withstand a lot if just one person stands alongside us and encourages us. The lack of encouragement is what destroys people. King David He's heir to the throne. He's just a shepherd boy and the Lord has tapped him on the shoulder and Samuel's anointed him to be king. He's not king yet. King Saul is king and King Saul's not doing a great job. And King Saul has a son, Jonathan, who is the rightful heir to take over. But Jonathan knows that God's tapped David on the shoulder. And do you know what Jonathan and David did? They formed this incredible relationship together. They made a covenant with each other. And if you know the story well, you can read it in First and 2 Samuel. Um, Saul was intent on killing David, and he had many, many attempts to kill him. And on one occasion, when he was in a murderous rage, when King Saul was in a murderous rage, hunting David down, we read in 1 Samuel 23, that Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David. He made a journey by foot, went to David at Horish, and he did this. He helped him find strength in God. That's encouragement. Helped him find strength in God. And they made a covenant that day. And if you read the story, you'll notice that David's greatest grief is over Jonathan when he was killed. He lost his encourager. Our encouragement to each other can be expressed in such things as just being there. Don't you get encouraged by looking around you and see people that you know are journeying with Jesus, here with you this morning worshipping God? That's encouragement. We're just here. It can be a touch or a hug. It can be, I'm praying for you. It can be words that you'll express, a note that you'll write. It'll be acts of kindness. It's it's this meeting together and I could go on. We do these things because we want to stimulate each other onto a deeper appreciation of Jesus, to a stronger devotion to him. Words in particular have a strong, strong impact on our relationships and being part of encouragement. And the Bible has a lot to say about words and a lot to say about the tongue. Just a couple of instances for you from Proverbs. The tongue has the power of life and death. So when you speak to someone, it has the power of life and death in their life. It has the power to spur them on. To take on life, or it has the power to turn their toes down. It's it's really powerful, the words that we use. Just imagine if we keep speaking these strong words into each other's lives, what it's going to do to the life. And this one, gracious words or encouraging words are a honeycomb. And then really take note of what it says. They're sweet to wear? The soul. Somewhere deep within us, words of encouragement lodge and they're sweet and they're healing. (laughs) A little thank you. Who knows what it's going to spark in somebody. It goes deep into the soul. We can use words to give out cold pricklies or warm... Fuzzies. I've been to lots of school sports days with my kids just because I can arrange my day. I don't have to be answerable to the bosses that you are answerable under on Earth. I only have one boss, and. Um, I got to all my kids' school sports days and watched them run so many races. And they weren't always in the front, but I was standing there along with many other people. Come on, Johnny, you can do it. You'll get to the finish line. And this little kids, you know, trying to go. You can make it. Come on, you can do it. Don't quit. Keep on going towards that finishing line. And off they'd go. They'd start running a little harder. So they and they'd turn around smiling. Did you all your parents experience that? If you haven't in your past looking after your kids, find your grandkids and go and watch them and see what they do. They just love that encouragement to get to the finish line. You know what? I've never heard any parent on any sideline at any running event go, Oh, Johnny, you look so tired. Just come on, come over here. Oh, Susie, why don't you just quit? You're not going to win the race anyway. Just ah, running's probably not your thing. Come on. I've never, ever seen it. But you know what? Often we are, and I have been guilty of this inside the church, to someone who's got up and giving it a go, and our demeanor tells them to quit. Instead of encouraging them to reach the finishing line. Seems to me that it's much easier sometimes to throw out a brick bat than to present someone with a bouquet. Well, this passage that we read says, Let us consider. That's really important. I don't know whether you think much about how you might encourage someone. Well, this verse actually says that's what we should be doing. We should be considering how we do this. We should be noticing this word means. We should be paying attention to. We should be looking closely at what's going on around us and finding ways of encouraging. We ought to rivet our attention on one another so that we become a church full of encouragers. We're also to consider how we may spur one another on toward, towards love and good deeds. That word spur is another word in the encouragement block in the New Testament. It literally means to irritate. Now I know a few people around the churches I've been in who have been very good at irritating others. But that's not what this means. This is talking about that sense of stimulating someone forward. I'm giving you a little touch to push you forward. I'm inciting you. I'm provoking you to keep on going in love and good deeds. Kind of getting under the skin a little bit, but to push towards doing more for Jesus. I'd been pastoring in Alice Springs for about uh, 18 months when one of my leaders invited me out for lunch. It was a swish place. I kind of wasn't really dressed. I never wore anything but shorts in Alice Springs. And had a great lunch with him. He said, look, I wanted to just to get to know you a bit better, but I actually have got an issue I want to raise with you. And I went, oh no, oh no. And he said, I'm really concerned about your preaching. You started way up here and this church was just lapping it up and we were growing but, and you were energised. But now... Something's happened and the quality is zero. We're hardly getting fed. And he talked about it for a while. We talked about it together and he said, what I want you to do is I want you for three months to notice, uh, keep a record of all the hours you're spending working for the church. I want you to keep a note of how much time you're spending preaching, pastoring, doing ministry in the schools and so on and everything that I was doing. So I had a bit of an idea of what was going on and I did it all without changing my schedule in any way and we got back together as agreed. And he said, so what did you learn? And he said, I learned that I'm doing nearly 90 hours a week. I actually love pastoring. So it wasn't hard in a sense, although it was. And he said, does that tell you anything about what's going on? And he said, so how much time are you spending preaching? And I said, it's coming out at 9 or 10 hours a week. He said, you're preaching twice a week? I said, that's right. He said, you said when you came for an interview that you wanted 12 to 16 hours a week for prep. Does that tell you anything? That was the best spurring I ever had. It spurred me on to good deeds and love. Why do we need encouragement? I don't want to just tell us that's what we need to do. Why do we need it? William James said this, "The deepest principle in human nature is the craving to be appreciated." He's a psychologist. We have a deep need within us to be appreciated. Now think of what a, what a gracious words do. They go right to where the soul Maybe this psychologist has been reading the Bible rather than the other way around. They go deep into us and and we feel valued. We feel appreciated. We feel spurred to move on in our journey with Jesus. I firmly believe that much of the dissatisfaction we experience in our lives in the church flows from lack of affirmation and encouragement we receive from other people. Always in pastoral ministry, if I noticed someone was beginning to miss, I'd go. And often I found out they felt discouraged, burnt out and whatever else and moved away from the life of the church. You're going to get coffee and tea later on. Someone's doing the finances. You've got people looking after children's and youth ministries, toddler jam, the worship team, new leaders. We've had couples since I've been here, church council and so on. There's a human need to be appreciated. We need encouragement because it connects us with each other and helps us to keep growing in Jesus. I mentioned earlier that we have struggles in life. As Christ followers, we face many difficulties along the path of obedience. And I'm hearing many Christ followers saying, now it's getting a little harder. We've, we've got this whole thing now of the um, LGBTQI question and gay marriage, same-sex marriage, and it feels like we don't get a voice anymore. So it gets stronger and harder to become... That's a great place to be in because guess what's going to shine bright out there? Our lights for Jesus. Let's not get despairing about it. As it gets darker out there, this light shines. If I, I better not get started on that, that's a good burrow to go down. These difficulties and the things we face in life that weigh us down can weaken our determination to follow Jesus. And we need each other to be a cheer squad. We are running a marathon. Ever watched a marathon at the Olympic Games? Notice what's standing alongside the 42 kilometres? People going, you can do it! Keep on going! That's what we need because life is a struggle. In a marathon at the 30 odd K mark, you meet what's called Heartbreak Hill. That's where lots of marathoners stop because that's where they need their encouragement to keep them getting towards the line. We need a cheer squad as we do this journey because of the struggles of life. Again, the writer of Hebrews, see to it, brothers and sisters, please don't just read that as brothers, brothers and sisters, children of God, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away. Now, he's talking to a group of people like us this morning. See to it that there's no one in here that has a heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another about once every 20 years. Ever seen that little word in there? Daily. As long as it's called today, so that none of you may be what? Hardened by sin's deceitfulness. When we start getting a little turn away from God in the struggles of life and it happens, I've been there. We need someone who cheers us on, gets alongside us so that sin doesn't get a hold of us and tear us away from the body of Christ. Struggles of life can do it. That's why we need encouragement. We have an enemy who's prowling. Satan. don't want to scare you, but this is a reality. James Stewart was a well-known preacher in, at the turn of the 1900s. And he quoted this legend, God decided to reduce the weapons in the devil's armory to one. Satan could choose which fiery dart he would keep and he chose the power of discouragement. And this is what Satan reasoned out. He said, if only I can persuade Christians to be thoroughly discouraged, they will make no further effort and I will be enthroned. That's why we need each other. So that discouragement, the darts of Satan, don't get us and drop us. He does this through the circumstances of life. He isolates us from other Christians. He, he, does, he has a lot of help with our society to do because our society is very individualistic today. It's, it's my way. It's all about me. It's why we struggle to do these things called encouragement because life's all about me and people feeding me. This turns that on its head. All of Jesus turns us on its head. And what happens when when people start to get discouraged? They start to be on their own more and more and more. It's like you've got, at least we need it in the hills now, we've started lighting our fires and you've got this great bunch of coals in the firebox. Take a coal out and put it along there. How long does it take to go out? Not very long. While this stuff's still red hot. It's what Satan does with discouragement. He picks us up and moves us out onto our own. And we go, woo. And there, the embers for Jesus blow out. While the rest is going. See why we need encouragement? Why do we encourage? Really good reason. It's actually a command. Let us go on encouraging one another. If God says it, then it needs to be obeyed. The well-being of this congregation depends on all of us being encouragers. Well, how do we keep on going? That would be... I'd been into ministry probably eight, nine, ten years. I'd been through a really hard patch where I nearly gave the whole thing up. It was very difficult. Mostly my fault because I wasn't looking after my soul. But I determined at that stage because I had a few people write me notes of encouragement to open up a file in my system where I popped all the notes and letters and words and emails, phone calls of encouragement pop them in there. Why did I do that? So that when I felt discouraged, I opened up that file, saw the letters, knew the circumstances because I knew the people. And it just helped me pick up my feet and continue to pursue my life in Christ, my ministry in Christ. You know, if you Do receive a few. Maybe it's worth keeping them just so when things aren't going so well, you can go, wow, hang on a minute. There are times when I've been appreciated. But I think this is where it all stems from. And as Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, um, a church that... He'd been telling them all about their salvation and talked them through the hope they had in Jesus returning again. So they're an encouraged church in their salvation in the hope they have. And he said this to them. This was his prayer. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. So there's the eternal encouragement. You're children of God. That's a really... Pop there when you feel discouraged. Hey, I'm a kid who belongs to God. That's what God does. And it's the Spirit of God, whose name literally means called alongside, the same word for encouragement, who does that, who puts that into our hearts. But then there's this bit. May he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good word and deed now while you're journeying on earth not just one great big eternal thing that gets you into the kingdom but ongoing we need to listen for the ongoing words of the spirit of god deep into our hearts that says you're my child i love you deeply i appreciate what you're doing stay faithful in all the things that i've called you to do we need to listen for that voice and in our time poor society we don't have time to sit down and listen to god we have a lot of time to talk to him Hey, how about doing this for me? I want this, I want that, I want something else. And then we rush off and then we say, God never answers my prayers. Well, heck, stop. Sit down for half an hour and listen. We're so busy talking to Jesus that we don't listen. We don't hear him writing encouragement into our hearts that says, attaboy, from the Spirit of God. I can tell you that's what's empowered me over 40 years of ministry. Attaboy from God. You're my much-loved child. I take delight in you. That's where encouragement starts. And when we're encouraged, guess what we can do? We can encourage others. It'll just flow. Because we know that the God of the universe is speaking into our hearts. And this one. From Paul writing to the church at Rome. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and what the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Time poor society today. Much of what people digest today is a morning reminder on their phone. Here's the verse of the day. They read it and wash off into life. Now, sometimes that bangs them in the hearts. That's great. But we need to be a little more disciplined in giving space and time to reflecting on the Word of God. Because why? Where's encouragement come from? the scriptures, the word of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit wrote those scriptures or watched over the writing of those scriptures. And why? Because it's the Holy Spirit, the one called alongside us, who calls alongside us to encourage us through what is written there. All these words are so linked up. It's a living book when we sit with it for a little while and let the living God pour it into our hearts and fill us with encouragement to keep on going. Very quickly. When I was reading Hebrews, it said this, Pastors, encourage your congregation. Leaders, encourage one another. Anyone want to correct that? Because that's often how it comes out. It says... Encourage one another. I think this is the most brilliant thing in the scriptures, these one another's. It's the responsibility of all of us, not a gifted few. Every member of the family of God here this morning, every child here can yap at another child and encourage them. Or give them a hug and encourage. Do you get get what I mean? It's all of our responsibility to consider carefully how we do this. I think this is genius. I think this is exciting. I think this is encouragement. One of the things that keeps me going is when I put aside time and go to someone who's in need and just sit with them, mostly have a coffee with them and just, hey, tell your story. I don't do anything. I don't say much. And then they say, wow, that encouraged me. You know what I want to do? I want to go to the next house and have a cup of coffee. Because I've just seen someone who the Spirit of God switched lights on while I sat there with them. That's why I love pastoring. love seeing God switch lights on. You know that word one another? It's a single word in the Greek language. occurs 67 times in the New Testament. None of this I'm a follower of Jesus. Sorry, we're followers of Jesus. We live in a very individualistic society and it tears at the heart of the church as well. It tears at the heart of the one another's. We're to consider one another and how we do this stuff. Now can I just give a couple of little hints here? It is no good you this morning going and talking to everybody else about Tim and about how wonderful he was if that's what you're thinking. I'm going to use you as an example, Tim, you'll cope. How is that going to encourage Tim? No, you encourage, you go to Tim and say, great that you stood up this morning and gave it a go. Don't tell everybody else, oh, that's okay, but please tell Tim, otherwise he doesn't know. You know what happens at funerals? You hear all these great stories about people and you sit there and go, gee, I never said anything to them. I never encouraged them once. I didn't know that was what they were all about. We leave all our encouragements, we forget to do it and when they're in the box or in the vase or whatever it is, it's too late. We will be bowled over by the power of encouragement in the life of the church, just as Roland Croucher said. Sharon and I have had the privilege of driving through the redwood forests in California and USA, these huge giant trees, 100 plus metres tall. Now how deep do you think the root system would be on these trees? 40, 50, 60 metres? Do you know what? Two metres max. Two metres holding up 100 metres. All that weight those roots radiate out around from the tree and they spread out, do you know how far? Up to 30 metres. And when they're in a forest, what happens with the roots? They interlock with each other. They interlock with each other. As Christians, we need interlocking roots with other believers in the church so that we can withstand the weight of life. We need others spurring us on toward love and good deeds and encouraging us, particularly in a world that is centred so much on itself and gratifying itself. Paul wrote to that church at Thessalonica, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you were doing. So they're doing it, but he says, come on come on, let's grow in this one. Let's grow. And I finish with this, I I actually love this. Bruce Larson in his book Wind and Fire points out some interesting facts about sandhill cranes. Now I've actually seen this with magpie geese uh, up in Kununurra in Western Australia but this is his story with sand. They're great big birds. And these large birds which fly great distances across continents have remarkable qualities. First, they rotate leadership. No one bird stays out in front all the time. Really good thing for the church. You've got lots of leaders here. I'm amongst them. I'm not the font of all knowledge. But a lot of leaders, we rotate leadership in that sense. No one bird stays out front all the time. Second, sandhill cranes choose leaders who can handle turbulence. That's pretty important. And then all during the time one bird is leading, the rest are honking their affirmation. I loved it some mornings when I was walking in the territory. The lead magpie geese and this probably 100, 150 birds back in a... You've seen them in a V formation and all you can hear is, honk, 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 honk. And you can watch the leaders rotating in front so sandhill cranes don't have it alone. I reckon it's a great model for the church. We need leaders who can handle turbulence and who are aware that leadership ought to be shared. But most of all, we need a church where all are honking encouragement. A church of encouragers? Can I change Roland Croucher's word? A church of honkers is a church that's alive. Let's pray. Maybe the name of someone in the life of this church has come to you while you've been listening this morning. Maybe someone who's just struggling with life. You don't know what to say to them, but you want to do something to encourage them. If they're a hugger, give them a hug. Give them a pat on the shoulder if if you can't find words. Maybe it's the name of someone who's stepping up in leadership in this in-between times, and you want to just say, you can do it. Thanks for giving it a shot. I'll keep praying for you. If God has laid some names on your heart this morning, please don't go home with those names unless you're going to write a note from home or an email or whatever. Let's actually actively do this. If we did it daily... I wonder what that would look like and how it would influence this church. Father, thank you that you are the one in your son who brings the encouragement of salvation and hope into our lives when we turn to you. And thank you that you never take that away from us. Thank you that you're the one who on a daily basis, though, wants to bring encouragement to us that we might continue to do good words and deeds. We thank you that you are that kind of God. Thank you that you've given us the scriptures to encourage us in our deep inner being. Father, help us, each one, to practice encouragement, to consider how we might stir each other up to love, and good deeds. And as we do that, Father, we ask for your blessing on us and the community in which you've placed us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Tim.